Hey, everybody. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. I have a book that just came out on Amazon.com called Digital Labor, The Coming Demise of a White Collar Worker. This book is talking about how software is going to be replacing knowledge workers in our industry at a very rapid pace. This book is addressed for people who are interested in the future job market and what to do about it. So please check it out on Amazon. We look forward to your feedback now. Let's go listen to the show. So now we've got the book. Yeah. And as authors, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that go into these books. But on the flip side, are people still reading books? <laughs> I, think, I think no. I think le- much less so than they used to be. You're listening to Experience This, a show about the emerging experience economy with your host, Tom Young. Hi, everybody. This is Tom Young. Let's go around the room. Hey, this is Sean. Karen. Hey, we're down here in the studio. Today, uh, we got official notice that our book is uh, ready for print. Yes. Uh, so we've been are, working on this. Are you excited? This. Yeah, I am. <laughs> it's been a long journey. To, uh, going back, I remember sitting in... Um, Conference room. No, it was like E301.1 yeah. yeah. or something. Those what little was, corner yeah. rooms. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're like, I'm just going to start calling people. Gonna, <laughs> that was a while ago. It just took us a lot longer to do this. But anyway, we've got a book coming out. We've been promoting it on the podcast, uh, Digital Labor, The Coming Demise of the White Collar Worker. Anyway, it's, it's going to be available on Amazon and uh, your favorite book retailer, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so we were going to talk a little bit about today about the the book, the experience of writing the book, and then also just the broader concept of um, experience and books today. And with so much going on in, in modern media, you know, old school books are uh, they still have a place in society, but probably not what they did at one at one point. Yeah. I also feel like we should be interviewing you a little bit on this podcast. Let's go ahead. Let's do it. <laughs> you guys ask me questions. So you, we started this journey a while back. Did you think it was going to take this long? No, not, no, I didn't. And having now having done it once to, you know, we're not quite through with this journey because we still have like the logistics of <laughs> How do you get book with Amazon? You know, consignment issues, print on right. demand, and then the know, whole marketing side. The of it, marketing which is side, still yet to come, yeah. And then the and really the follow up and what happens after this? You know, like speaking engagements and promotions and book tours and signings and things like that. What happens next? I, I'm not sure. So the yeah. journey's not done yet. But up to this point, I would say this was not what I expected, and it was it was. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot more work than I thought, and it wasn't. You know, it, the way we did it was probably not efficient. Right. Yeah. So one of the things that informed early on my thinking about using a ghostwriter and and an editor and, and and the like to help do this had to do with the way that I was writing professional articles at a prior company that I worked for, and I and I worked with a communications guy. Uh, his name was Alex Kozlov. He was really good. So he and I had a good yin and yang. Mm-hmm. So I would write an article, mm-hmm. and then he would edit it, and it was much better after he edited it because mm-hmm. it made better sense. Yeah. Know, was, and then we would publish it. And we did a few of those, and we got used to each other's styles. Mm-hmm. And so then one time he called me in a car, and I was at, at a while, and he just interviewed me. And then he wrote the article, and then I edited it, and I said, "That's great. Let's do that." Right. And so we try. So we tried that, and th- th- it's harder to do in a book form. Right. But if for yeah. an article, it's one thing. But uh, I would say, if I 
we have a couple other projects conceived in the pipeline next, I would do it very differently. I think I think you have to go through and just and and go through the effort of writing, writing yourself. It, and if yeah. you can't do that, then don't write it. Exactly. Yeah. So and then and then and then edit it. I think it's important, you know, to also write an outline so you have a so you don't wander around and not have a point to what you're writing. I think that was the biggest one of the biggest things we found was happening was we were becoming repetitive or that we weren't remembering when we said certain things already in yeah. other prior chapters. So it would have helped so much just to have a whole book outline ready where you could easily tell, like, oh, I just I already had this in chapter two. I already yeah. had this. In, yeah. We we, well, we made attempts at that, but it, yeah. it, it, it just kept changing. It, no, it was a lot so too. long. Yeah, and, the, and and a lot of the content that we were talking about was actually changing Chang- as we were writing right, it. Right. So, uh, anyway, it's a fun experience. Were Were you guys also surprised at how? Because we talk a lot about technology. Were you surprised at how the process is still a bit analog? Like, could there have been? Were there opportunities where you're like? crap i'm surprised like this hasn't been automated or like technology's not really um, a big factor in yeah, people think, publishing books i think well there's a lot of uh, entrenched interest you know the the publishing company we work with while we were working with is actually changing their business model because yeah. it's happening very differently i think amazon is really disrupting uh, a lot of the publishing industry with print on demand uh, they have a lot of writing tools out there they can crowdsource the editing. So there's a lot of things you can do now to get content out there. But at some level, it really gets back to, you know, even in the business world, books are still the mainstay. If it's the author of this book, or if you write a white paper of a similar uh, heft yeah. and, you know, really interesting concepts, it doesn't have near the uh, gravitas of a book. Mm-hmm. That's just my experience. Yeah, somebody sure. was telling me yesterday, um, I'll have to look up the fact, but there's a lot of people who uh, aspire to be authors, and there's only 3% of people that actually publish books. That's pretty low. 3% of, of all people? Po- of like the of the aspiring hiring. people. Really? want to write a book, yeah. I could, I could, I, I'm surprised it's even that high. Oh. Yeah. I thought it was 3% that. of the population. See, no okay. way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I, I'm just not connected. So the people who said, I want to write a book, of those, 3%. 3%. Follow through. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's, look, it, it's a lot of work. If you, it, you have to really have a passion for it. I mean, at some level, I always knew I was going to do it, but I wasn't going to do it if I didn't have a, a, a reason to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that drove me to do it, frankly, was the, uh, in the consulting world, you know, when I worked at a, a large consulting firm, I used to get a, a significant amount of money in speaking fees. Right. And, and it was tied to the fact that I was with a large consulting firm. When, and when I left and started Rumjog, it, it tapered off very quickly. And when I went on the speaking circuit and get invited to conferences and things like that to speak as a keynote speaker or a guest speaker, I, I, I bumped into people who were in the same position I was, a small independent boutique kind of company, but they were they were getting paid because they wrote a book. Mm-hmm. And their books are decent, they're pretty good. Uh, and I try to at least hold to the same standard of writing a book as good as those guys. And th- But they were out in the speaking tour and they were making decent money uh, pushing their, their books. The guys that were really the inspiration for this, I, I, I would love to be in the same league as them, was the two MIT professors 
Andrew uh, Mac- McAfee and Eric Brynjolfsson, who wrote uh, the first book they wrote was Race Against the Machine. Mm. And they self-published it. And uh, they had a lot of errors. And it was only about 80 or 90 pages. But it was uh, their seminal work around the fact that it's going to be hard for people to compete with machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And anyway, it got picked up through their their network, through MIT. And then eventually 60 Minutes picked it up and they put them on. Wow. And so they got on 60 Minutes. And then for them, after that, it was off to the races. They're, they wrote a book called The Second Machine Age. And... Uh, and now I've talked to both Andrew and, and Eric about the, why they did that, how they did it. And actually, we was able to get uh, uh, one of my clients, IPsoft, uh, got Andrew to speak as uh, for one of their product launches in London and New York. So he probably picked up a nice hundred grand for that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he got then he invited, the Andrew got picked up at uh, Davos to speak uh-huh. at Davos. So if you had something really interesting to say and you make a, and make a point, you know, the p- people will want you to come talk to them. Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of these things I know from being on, again, on these book tours, a lot of people don't read the book. They read an abstract of the book. Yeah. Right. And then the book gives you the gravitas to speak on that topic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's that was a little bit about what's going on. So Good stuff. Yeah, so we're going to be in Boston next week with, uh, we're going up for a conference with IBM. So we'll, have, we'll bring some books and tell with us and see See what the reaction is when I actually physically <laughs> hand somebody a mm-hmm. book. Here's the book. That's what I was saying. I'm writing a book. I'm one of the 97% who <laughs> is writing a book that writing. never publishes it. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's a big, it feels like it's a big accomplishment to, to do that. We're having a little bit of a gathering today and uh, doing this show. So, this is fun. Yeah, there, it's, uh, you have to say, like, it was, I almost think of it as like riding a bike mm-hmm. where, you know, the first time you do it, it's like challenging and you're like learning how to do it. Yeah. And then as soon as you do it once, it's like, oh, now I get it. You know, I could do this again now. It'd be way easier. Yeah. It's it, like all these small little things you just, and and part of the reason why you're, you're thinking it's analog or it's so complicated is because there are so many new, like new vested interests. Now Amazon has their own way of doing things and they want their own formats and there's self-publishing Ingram Spark, and you can't put the same book on both of them because there's just rules against that like you have to know all of these yeah. things but once you know them then it's like okay i can do it again there's again, a lot of again. insider baseball right. stuff on yeah. navigating the publishing world yeah that's been yeah. very interesting which is why it's probably again that three percent it's very intimidating sometimes you know? yeah it is this is not even you know the, what's supposed to be the tough part which is writing the book you mm-hmm. know it's like all the stuff after that you still have to do well think about some of the new things that, that get done, and we're, we're going to attempt to do this. You have to record the book for Audible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can have the book on, you know, listen to it in the car or on tape. I don't even, people don't use tape anymore, but. Uh, <laughs> listen to the car, listen to it on tape? <laughs> what did I just say? <laughs> Sorry. Smoke signals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, books on tape used to be the thing it was called. Yeah. It's Audible now. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, Jason Podcasts. So we're probably going to put out a companion series where we'll go through each chapter and have a discussion about it. Uh, you know, the blog that goes with the book so you can have discussions and follow-ups and, and some are deeper dives in some of the the aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I look at other guys who've written some interesting books, like, I, you know, authors that I like uh, who have self-published and then, then became very successful at it, like Tim Ferriss, yep. who wrote The 4-Hour Workweek. Mm-hmm. He, he might have wrote, wrote that 
Jeez, I want to say could have been ten years ago. Yeah, that was a while ago. Was it a while ago? Yeah, it's still a very relevant book. It's a very good book. Yeah. Uh, but then he created the companion digital products that go with it, and he wrote the book in a way that you don't have to read the whole book, so it became a little bit of a reference book. Um, and I, you know, and, I, and I've I've also uh, read a lot of indie authors on Amazon that were promoted through their 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 platform have done very well. So guys like Will Hurtling, uh, who was an HP uh, mm -hmm. consultant, and he started writing stories about you know future tech, and he wrote Avogadro Corp and uh, AI Apocalypse, and then you know, I think he's written like five or six books. And then the, now he's an accomplished author. You get Daniel Suarez, is another guy I'd like to read, who's been now picked up by proper publishing houses. Uh, because they have something really interesting, and th those guys go out. I know Suarez goes out and speaks a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he wrote uh, a book called Demon, uh, D A E M O N. So mm -hmm. it's a, a programming reference. Right. And then he wrote um, uh, the successor to that called um, I forget the the this. But anyway, the third book he wrote was uh, called Kill Decision about drones and giving them auth autonomous power. Uh, oh, Freedom was the second right. book he wrote. And then he wrote a book called uh, Influx around, think of Men in Black, mm -hmm. but not a comedy. Wow. Where it was okay. not, not so much aliens, but hidden tech, uh, you know, and, and behind the scenes. It was a lot of really interesting stuff, and people get pulled in. And so, but they, I, I read about how they, because when we started doing this book, I was reading about how other people, like authors, how they do it. Yeah. Yeah, and the one I the one I really liked was Woody Allen. So when Woody Allen creates, he writes from ten to two, mm -hmm. so no distractions. He's not like double dipping, but he just works from ten to two. He sleeps in every day, writes from ten to two, then he takes a nap, and then he goes out and hangs out and plays clarinet at the club or does whatever he does. But he's like, I'm living. I'm mm -hmm. like, so he works four hours a day, and then some days he'll go back and curate what he wrote before. But he's not just sitting there and agonizing over the words. He just starts, just starts typing and just go at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could imagine for authors, um, and I mean, you obviously experienced it. It's the process of getting the words on paper is um, that's very it, like it's kind of a challenging thing to do because some authors, I imagine, agonize over hitting a word count per day. Or, but it seems yeah. like he's got a good system of I'm just going to work from ten to two and. I, I found that, you know, and you saw it when, when we were under some deadlines. Yeah. Um, I could crank out five, 7,000 words in a couple hours, you know, maybe four or five hours. Uh, but I need to be in the zone and I need to not be screwing around. Yeah. yeah. I can't be like, you know, reading the Drudge Report on the side or, mm -hmm. you know, watching TV or, you know, I have to be in the focus. So I, what I would do is you got to be in a comfortable position. Uh, have a nice setup, and I would listen to uh, music or sound effects, so I would have no distractions. Yeah. So I, I put noise canceling headphones on and listen to Zen music or listen to ocean waves and just type. Mm -hmm. And and just that that's the way to do it. And you've you've got to be disciplined. But I've found that a lot of times I would just sit in front of the monitor and just stare at it and. After ten or fifteen minutes, just walk away. Right. Yeah. If you're not in the mood, you can't do it. But yeah. the disciplined guys do it. Stephen King, a prolific writer, 
you know, if 3% of the people actually publish a book, he's in the .1% who is, uh, you know, an awesome, uh, accomplished author. Mm-hmm. But he and writes a lot. He has a lot. Of, but he writes, I think, from like 7 a.m. to about 11 every day. And just that's what he does. He mm-hmm. sits down and he just has his routine and cranks it out. And you got You have to go do that. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Definitely. Um, which is so a great segue to, I think we were going to probably chat about this is, so now we've got the book yeah. and as authors, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears that go into these books. But on the flip side, are people still reading books? <laughs> I think, I think, no, I think le- much less so than they used to be for, for sure. sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, if, I don't know if we can get a, any trend analysis, but well, I've got I, I pulled up something. Yep. Um, you know, it just looks at this trend from even if you take like 2015 through 2018. This so is look, from Pew Research. Yeah, which I assume is pretty reputable. Yeah, it's good. Good company. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, people are still reading, mm-hmm. and it looks like um, print books are actually doing way better than. Um, Ebooks and audios. So it looks like there still is a demand for reading books. But what I think is interesting is, um, it's like some of the books that I have now, uh, mm-hmm. the re- more recent ones I've got that have been published in like the last two years. At the end of each chapter, they will do um, a summary with like the key takeaways. So for people like me, who sometimes halfway through the chapter, I'm like, I'm not sure if I want to finish the chapter. You can, you know, just quickly skim to the end. So I think I feel like the the long form of just you have to read cohesively from chapter one all the way through to chapter 12. Maybe that's changing. And it's now more of being able to just pick up a book and open it and extract information from different sections. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think that's I think that's right, especially for business books. You want to be able to skim through it and read uh, targeted elements. There's a guy named Naval Ravikant who I listened to. Uh, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast. Anyway, mm-hmm. he talks about being very discriminating about how he reads, and he'll he might, he might have a dozen, fifteen, twenty books open at any time, and he reads until it's then it goes to the next thing, and he's if it's really good, he might read it five times. And so he's he's really distilling some of the meanings, but he won't waste his time reading something end to end if it's not worthy of that. Right, mm-hmm. just to say that he read it. Right, just to get another think, count on the. I think on the book. I think literature and storytelling, um, fiction books that are that are long arc stories, they lend themselves to end to end reading. But like right. one of the b- books I recently read is uh, from Scott Galloway called The Four. Yeah, and uh, it talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which is. Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google. Mm -hmm. And you can just read about one of them. You don't have to read all of them. You know, it's, there's, there's some aspect of repeating, but it gives you, he does an in-depth look at each one of them and why their business models are going to be disruptive. So you can read one or one, two, three, or four. You don't have to read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it lends itself to that. There's a, a lot of services out there that'll take business books and distill them down into, Oh yeah. Blinkist. Blinkist. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. So you get the gist of it. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to get into it more, you can go back and read that. Um, but most of the time I think people are, are reading the Blinkist version of, of business books. They are. I think so too. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's just to people just don't have the attention span yeah. to read. But I've never met people who regret reading. That is true. Is that, think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. the, some of the, the some of the most informed, smartest people I know read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's like actually one of the things Henry Kissinger always said is that read read more. You know, like how do you get you just read? You got to you got to read a lot now, whether it's books or something. You have to constantly be informing yourself with what's happening. Well, well in that book by um, which you, you recommended. Nicholas Carr, yeah. The Shallows. Yeah. They talked exactly about um there was a, a debate in one of the chapters about, you know, people who are in the literary world who are proponents of of long form reading and and then some people who said it's actually not practical anymore and you should still be reading, but if you um you know, if if you're reading short articles, you are actually able to get a wider breadth of information versus one long like 260 page book so i don't know it's interesting the argument on both sides but his basic point is the fact that people just no longer have the attention span to do that and even as a author he struggles reading long form yeah when i do like uh, uh if i do a, a public speech or say say i got a half hour 40 minutes you know maybe even an hour sometimes it's to speak you know, you have to sit back and say, you know, all right, I'm speaking in the context of a conference, right? And there's a lot of people there, and you have to, and I and I always boil it down to, because I'm doing business talks for the most part, and uh, I, I I'm really thinking like, what are they going to walk away with? Because I'm in the context of many other speakers, many other events and forums for that day, and it's one day and one week and one month of that person's life. Yeah. So I'm going to be there up there for an hour, half an hour. I'm gonna. I want to leave them with maybe just one idea, maybe two, and on a home run, it'd be three ideas. I was just about to say, like, when you were talking about reading articles and reading books, like at the end of you know, when you finish both, what do you ultimately take away from, uh, you know, both of them? Like from a book, it's not like because I read 200 pages, I'm going to retain more stuff from from the yeah. book. You know, usually it's just a couple. It's an idea. It's idea an idea too, right? And you can get that right. same thing from the articles, like just an idea or so two. So I think it, it Blinkist um, attempts to do that. Mm-hmm. Attempts to distill it down to the one or two ideas that you're going to get. Right. So when I'm separating that from fiction reading, which is a form of entertainment, immersive entertainment. Right. Um, but if you're reading a business book, you're trying to get ideas. And I would say... Uh, you know, when I, when I think of the book we just came out with, <clears throat> the idea is that software is replacing knowledge workers in the same way that automation affected the Rust Belt through mechanization mm-hmm. and automation. And as this happens, it's going to happen very fast because it's software. Right. Yeah. And people are not ready for it. So as machines in the Rust Belt took over muscle work, Software is replacing brain work. Right. So you get that, you, you know, you can read that from, uh, you know, Blinkist or whatever, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. But the I guess the person <laughs> reading the book is you have all the examples and you have all yeah. the extra th- that actually makes it set in a little bit more, provides more context for these ideas. Also, it, it, but how much do the you idea need? is uh, something you don't naturally agree with. Exactly, yeah. It helps you 
distill it down to oh I, I either I'm on board or I'm on board with mm-hmm. a version of it mm-hmm. uh, and so it's it, the the rest of the book helps support the idea right and I think with good narrative storytelling you 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 help the person retain the idea mm-hmm. versus saying oh I got the idea I'm on to the next thing they'll forget so you, you want to be memorable not just that also makes them just think about new new ideas right like if you're offering all of this maybe they can come up with their own theories or mindsets on what they believe uh, yeah. based on all the evidence you've provided. Yeah. So in the in, in like when I do in speeches and we try to do the same thing in the book, I use, I use a lot of metaphors right. to explain complex ideas. The metaphors help people personalize through a shared experience and the use of it. So metaphors are a literary tool that uses a little bit of words. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is like being at the beach. So when I say being at the beach, I'm tapping into our collective experience of being at the beach, mm-hmm. which is much more immersive than 15 words of saying it. Right. So it's a literary tool to, to drive right. that shared experience and then, to, and then to set a concept into that. So you use a lot of that in, in, the, in the technology consulting and then in the book where we're trying to put some very complex subjects out there. Right. Uh, and so far we've gotten some good feedback on things that people, aspects that people have written. We know the content's p- pretty good because we use it in the consulting world, and you know we know our clients and the people we interact with like it. Right. By the way, random question: Can you access books on a VR headset? Like, could you just sit back in a reclining chair with a VR headset on? And I haven't seen an app that does that. I've been lately playing around with the uh, Oculus, and the Oculus has doesn't have a lot of content out there. But last year. TJ and I spent a lot of time talking about how books are ripe for using technology to basically experience them in a way where you're not necessarily looking at just the words back to back. So adding, having the AI read the book and distill it down and understand what you're reading about so it can add sound effects. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could add context in terms of the setting uh, and actually some of the dialogue, you, they could have avatars going. So that, that's some of that's way yeah. future out. Yeah. But the notion of like Bandersnatch on Netflix was an interactive TV show that allowed the technology where you could actually decide which way the plot goes. So they filmed 10 hours of, of the show, Yeah. and it's about a 90-minute experience depending on which choices you make during the show. You could do the same thing with the book. And create interactive experiences so that it's more of an immersive feel, but use it for storytelling and use the platform for that. But the book is still the, I guess the, still the gold standard for long form content. Yeah, it is. There are some new things. Did you ever hear of the Spritz? No. The Spritz no. app? Mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing this like a couple of years ago and it's like basically uh, like one word would pop up and then the next word would pop up and it would just just go through it, but you can set it at a certain rate of like, oh, I want to read 200 words per minute or 300 words per minute. And I was reading at like like f- five times what I normally read at, at a normal but, pace. But And apparently it, like they've proved, you know, it does some studies and stuff. You retain more because you're more attentive to it because it just blinks and it goes. The next word just comes up. But are you putting it together as a sentence? Because you're still like... You have to. We have to try it. We have to try it out after this. So they have the app and everything, and we'll it, see it's what an you app think for of speed it. reading. It's for speed reading, right? But it's yeah. in in general reading too, because they say you'll retain more. 
But are you still formulating cohesive sentences? Because it's is it just taking the words from a book and just flashing up the... It's doing it sentence by sentence, right? But I wonder, like, is your mind then stringing the, that sentence together subconsciously? I don't, I don't know. Okay. I get what it's doing. It's, yeah, I, it's, I get it's, what it's doing. Okay, so you could try it out right now. It, go to, it's, go to it's for, it's, rather than you look, it's, it's forcing it to you. So it's doing the... The eye motion back and forth, so it just it just does it. But it's a uh, you you know I, I tend to read like especially reading business stuff. I'm skimming. I'm not reading everything word for word. Right. Yeah. So we can we can play around this offline because this will take a while. Oh, there it goes. Yeah. Okay. But I I, yeah. I I'm reading faster than that, so it'll keep going. You can adjust it, and it'll go up to one thousand. It'll go up to yeah. But you're you're retaining what it's saying as long as you're focusing on it. <laughs> you're you're seeing this though. Yeah, I I see it, but I don't know if I like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sounds a little it's, bit like a. I, I don't like it because it. Uh, I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> Wait, just because it doesn't. Just because it doesn't feel natural, right? No, because it, fe it it feels like they're doing a brain hack. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? It's a little bit of a, you know, you know, like I I. Uh, so I'll say this: it improved my focus. That's for sure. Because I was just like, oh, I want, I need to be paying attention to this because it's coming fast and it's going. So. For me, at least, I was like, "Oh, this is this is cool." I, I wish I could just copy and paste like an article into here, and then have that spritz yeah. at me. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I think yeah. <laughs> if if you think about like sort of the future here, you know, words in linear form, the written out, yep. is a inefficient way <laughs> to get information into your brain. Yeah. Right. But it is historical, and we're used to it, and we've trained our ourselves to be good at reading. Some people are better than others, mm -hmm. but there are more ways to do it. So, like I used before, the metaphor is a literary tool to to jam more information into the words than are actually there, and more complicated, more complex. Mm -hmm. But then you get into film and visual and sound and smell, more senses, and yeah. more senses, and I can now communicate even more complex ideas. But not everybody's good at it, right? So a lot of the you know visual stuff will tend to use parlor tricks, you know, to get your attention. You mm -hmm. know, a scantily clad woman or an explosion or yeah. some thing that's hitting your hippocampus at the at the at the base. But it's not necessarily complex or rich in that way. I think there is an opportunity to mix the words with a visual. Uh, aspect to it. So there was a there was a video game series that came out years ago called Mist. And it was written uh it was set up by these two two young guys and it had long form book mixed with interactive video and sound and puzzles and and it was really immersive. One of the it was a cutting edge game. And they they have a few games that are still out on some of the current platforms, but at the time they really were pushing the envelope on immersive video games, walkthroughs, adventure games. It was pretty wild, but that that used everything, and they they had companion books that go with it. Uh, it was a, a very interesting to me dynamic about how you can take books in their current form and bring them into sort of the new world. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the business world, 
I do think the Blinkist form of giving you the outline at the end of the chapter or a summary of the book that you can have so that if you want to go deeper, you can, but allows you to throttle it based and still get the gist of the story. Yeah, really good tool. Yeah. So, Karen, you and I talked about uh, focusing, uh, getting a book talked about on this topic around the notion that experience, economy, Mm -hmm. the realization that people are going to start uh, valuing their time differently. Yeah. And spending money as a result of that realization. Mm-hmm. So this this concept of I'm going to run out of time before I run out of money will that people older people so let's say over fifty over sixty you pick a time frame they certainly they know that yeah I think it's a very prevalent it's an obvious algebra to them I'm going to run out of time before I run out of money yeah but they don't have the confidence or the outlets to spend the money in a way that changes that yeah. And so as we move that algebra down to people who are confident that they can actually take advantage of spending the money to enhance their time, it's going to shift the things that we sell in our economy today. So at some level, even we argue that millennials are going to go do that. They're going to, they're going to start to invest more in time than they do in things and, and the accumulation of wealth, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I got a big pile of money. I don't need a bigger pile. Mm-hmm. Right, I need to enjoy the pile I have. Right, right. Yeah, and people are worried. Oh, what if my pile goes away? A lot of things can happen. You know, more likely to die with the pile. Yeah, right. Which is not very good. So, I think a book that describes that for people and gives them some constructive outlets in terms of how to change the way that they're living. Right. Yeah. I look finding at, that balance between. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I look at even yeah. things like um, uh, go on vacation somewhere, and. You have to recognize that if you if you if you're going to be a world traveler, not quite as worldly as Sean, <laughs> but if you're a normal, you, you're going to go to you're going to go to a place and you, you might not go there again, right? Because you're going to mix it up. You're going to so it might be your only time there. Yeah. You really want to make it great. Yeah. And so I've hired local guides. You spend some money for that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes as much as getting there, you might spend on guides and experiences like that. But it makes the the whole trip so much more memorable. Right. And you. You know, if you say, oh, next time we'll do that, or next time we'll do that, well, no, this time, do yeah. it this time. Right. And then next time we'll talk about what we did last <laughs> time. So, you know, I just think, uh, so I, I, we have a couple other books uh, in, contemplated behind this. We want to finish this experience yeah. of this book because we we literally, just as before we started recording, you ordered uh, the first <laughs> set of books for us to take up to Boston, right? Yep, first 10. It's so, going to ship to Boston. <laughs> yeah, then we have to figure out this afternoon how we're going to order the rest of them and mm-hmm. what else we're going to go do. Right. And this will go live on Amazon when? Um, She hasn't said. Tom- tomorrow or tomorrow or Saturday. Okay. Tomorrow, I think that's our okay. Okay. Hopefully tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, um, I'm assuming most people who are going to buy this book are going to do it through Kindle. Uh, well, uh, that'd be interesting to see as well because we're doing a couple of different uh, social media campaigns. Yeah. And so we'll be able to track like how are people purchasing the book yeah. or mm-hmm. how are they getting to it. We got a digital update email. <laughs> <laughs> she said, uh, hopefully we'll have the finished files in hand tomorrow. Good. Okay. Awesome. So that'll be great. And then we'll get a blast out to some of the folks. I, oh, in fact, it just came in. Uh, successful order. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, 
Yeah. Again, it, it's a little it's a it's a little bit of a relief. <laughs> I'm hoping that uh, this this does as is contemplated, which helps drive some deeper, better engagements with our client base, with our with our people we're talking to in the market, mm-hmm. uh, and also helps people understand that the world is changing. And people need to be open to new ideas. Now we've come across people we've worked with in the consulting world who um, they want yesterday, tomorrow to look like yesterday. Yes, a lot. And they are working hard to preserve that. And I, I understand what they're doing. I can relate to what they're doing, and they're just not. They're wrong, (laughs) and uh, they see us as a threat to. To that, but I want I want to break it down and say, show them what the opportunities are mm-hmm. uh, to to drive these changes, and hopefully this book will help do that. So one last question. Yeah. When you go on to the news, are you going to be wearing that shirt or different pattern? <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, the the studio here, uh, it, it, it's in the basement of my house here, so it's uh, this is what I like to wear. So <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I uh, if a good day is when I can wear shorts, deck shoes, and a shirt like this. <laughs> when I have to put on a shirt and tie, I haven't worn a tie in a while. I just, I just don't like to do that. So this is what if if I were going out and hanging out uh, at the you know I like I visited my cousin down in uh, Florida and he lives in Jupiter. We went to this, one of my favorite bars and there's uh, the the square grouper. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I wear the square grouper <laughs> t-shirts around, but. Uh, you know, if I'm there, I'm dressed just like this. Like I'm, I'm just walking around, hanging out, and uh, it puts me in a relaxing mode. It's like so. a experience this brought to you by Tommy Bahama. <laughs> Tommy Bahama. Yeah, I have. You can't imagine the uh, the breadth of my Tommy Bahama right. collection. We need I have. to send them a book. Yeah, yeah. but you should get sponsored by them. Yeah, I have. I have so many of those shirts. <laughs> they're 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 actually not good for the really hot weather because they're they're too warm. But th- right now, it's a great time to wear those. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I have, I don't know, 30 or 40 of them. They're, they're not cheap, but they're, they're good good shirts, though. We'll look into them sponsoring this podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, well, thanks, everybody. We're going to go upstairs and uh, meet with the team and have a little bit of a little celebration and get some lunch. And uh, thank to the two of you for helping us get this across the goal line here. Yeah, of course. I'm, to me... <laughs> the book completion is me handing a copy of my book to my mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> almost there. Almost and there. Almost there. So almost there. Yeah. It, that makes it real. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. That makes it real for me. Yes. And uh, so that to me, and then we got we have a lot of things we're going to go do, and I'm just looking forward to uh, seeing the rest of this journey through. Same. Thank you. Great. Tom Young, author. <laughs> yeah, thanks. All right, See bye-bye. you guys. Bye. Okay, bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed the topic. We're always interested in hearing more from our audience in terms of what topics we should be covering. So please reach out to us and let us know if there's a subject that you want us to cover and we'd be happy to do that. I also want to remind people that we have a book out called Digital Labor, The Coming Demise of a White Collar Worker. You can find it out on Amazon in Kindle, hardcover, and paperback formats. Please check that book out and give us some feedback. Thank you. <laughs>